So now I'm going to invite today's speaker, Wilson Cochran, to the front. Wilson and, and his wife, Jen, and Haya and Silas live in Cincinnati. They're leading the staff at Vineyard Northwest with their team, and we're so happy to have Wilson with us this morning to teach and to do some ministry, and it's going to be awesome. So as soon as I get this thing going, it's all yours, bro. Dude, thanks. Of course. I'm sure I'll come on here. There you go. Hey, thanks for the introduction, Parker, and what a good word about honor. For real, I feel very exhorted and edified. Um, but hey, my name is Wilson. It's really good to see a lot of friendly, familiar faces. Just so much family I see here. I'm really happy to be with you guys. And there's a bunch of new family members I haven't met yet who've probably um, been, been around, but I just haven't got to meet you for whatever reason. So I'm really just glad to meet more of you guys after I'm done. But um, this morning, the title of my message is Radical Daniel. And in your program, it says Honor and Devotion. But I just felt like that was kind of boring and lame. And Bree made fun of my title, so I changed it to Radical Daniel. And uh, what I want to do this morning is just dive into Daniel 6, one of the most famous passages, famous Bible stories, you know, like David and Goliath, Adam and Eve, and then Daniel the lion's den. Like, there's the Old Testament in a nutshell for you, right? Um, but I want to just go through it and share with you some stuff God's been speaking to me about out of Daniel, and uh, I hope you're encouraged by it. Let me pray, and then I'm going to do a couple of things before we dive into Daniel. So, Father, we do. We just say we honor you, Lamb who is slain. I just pray that this morning the Lamb who is slain will receive the reward of his suffering. We honor you, Jesus, and we bless you. Holy Spirit, just invade and fall in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so since you have to stare at me for a while, I want to show you someone much better looking than me, and that's my wife and kids. Um, this is my family, for sure the best part of my life, without a doubt. It's my wife, Jen, smoking hot. And then I have my beautiful daughter, Haya, who's one year old, or three years old. And this is my son, Silas, who's one year old. He's just about a week older than Josh and Lynn's uh, son, Isaiah. So they're going to be pals and, you know, destroy the works of the devil, raise hell together. It's going to be awesome. They'll destroy the works of the devil and raise hell at the same time. We'll see. Um, Okay, so before I dive into Daniel, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about Daniel because I feel like Daniel 6 was literally written to and for us. Like, you know, Daniel had to decide, what all am I going to write down from my incredible, amazing life in Babylon? And I'm sure he, had, like, he didn't put everything in there, but he chose, what are some of the highlights that I want to include for future generations of followers of God to be encouraged? And I really feel like Daniel 6... He had, the, he had Oxford Vineyard in mind. You know, like he was thinking of the people, through the Spirit of God, this, this message and this chapter of the Bible, I think is for you guys. But before I get into it, I want to share a couple testimonies with you. So I'm asking my friends Jonathan and Ashley to come up. Um, you know, there's plenty of news. Like, who reads the news? All right, so we get all kinds of we're, we're getting inundated all the time with what's happening in the world, and most of it isn't good news, right? A lot of it's just, you know, whatever. So I want to let Jonathan and Ashley, I'm going to introduce them, share with you guys a couple of testimonies of things that God's done in their life, and uh, you're going to be really blessed by it. Jonathan's amazing. I actually offered him a job a couple weeks ago, and he said no. <laughs> so he said he would come here with me, though. But um, 
No, Jonathan is on staff at a church at the University of Cincinnati, and Ashley is beautiful bride, just graduated from UC and is working, and they're just a powerhouse couple for the kingdom, but uh, they're going to share with you guys each a really cool testimony, something God's done, so Jonathan, take it away. Yes, um, thank you. Yeah. You guys are awesome. This is, just, this is a cool community. I've never been here before, but I can just feel like community. I feel like community yeah. is just a trait you guys thrive at, but um, yeah, it's amazing that God like works on the earth through us, right? Like he wants to do tons of things on the earth, but, but he, he does them through us, and uh, he manifests his glory and his power on the earth through us, which is awesome. One of the ways he does that is by healing people's bodies. Um, when someone gets healed like miraculously, it's like, well, this is clearly God who did this. I can't do this. I can't put my hand on someone and make them better, but the Holy Spirit can do that. Um, so this is a testimony from about a year ago, but it's really powerful. So I work with uh, recovering drug addicts in Cincinnati at this ministry called Exodus. Um, and about a year ago, I, I had a friend, his name was, I'll just call him Tom. I'll share, I'll, I'll keep his name uh, hidden. But he uh, came in one day and he was really like just discouraged. And I was like, what's, what's going on, Tom? Like, what's, what's wrong? And he had just gotten back from the doctor um, and he had found out that he had hepatitis C. He was a meth addict. Uh, he had about four or five months clean, so he had had this disease for some time, and he was just finding out about it, um, and the doctor had told him, you have hepatitis C, and he was just so discouraged, um, but this is a man, he had four months clean, four, four or five months clean, and he was running after Jesus. He'd given his life to Jesus. He was born again, and I was like, Tom, you, like, this disease you have is a result of your past sin. Um, he, he'd gotten it from probably using dirty needles that's who you were. That's not who you are anymore. Come on. And um, I just said, I believe that God is going to heal you because you're a new creation. And this sickness is a result of sin that isn't in your life anymore. So we got a few people. We laid hands on him. And we just commanded hepatitis C to, to go in Jesus' name. And um, the next week, I came in again. And he had seen the doctor because he needed to get retested, his blood, so that the doctor could figure out, like, the right dosage of medicine to put him on, I guess. I don't, I don't know the details. But... He was like totally different. His demeanor was different. He was pumped up. And I'm like, Tom, what's going on? Well, why are you so happy? Um, and he said, I went back to the doctor and they drew my blood. They tested it. And I do not have hepatitis C. Come on. It's totally so good. not in my blood anymore. Um, and that's like a blood disease, right? That doesn't just happen. <laughs> and uh, God healed him. He wasn't even on his medicine yet, right? Come and, on. and God totally took this disease away from him. So... Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that testimony. And I, I think I'd, I'd like to just pray real quick for people. You don't have to stand up, but maybe anyone in this room who has a blood disease or just wants more belief and faith in the truth that God heals. That's me. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I, I doubt and I struggle with, with skepticism. And um, so I'm praying for myself in this. But anyone who has a blood disease and then anyone who wants to just grow in faith that God can heal our bodies. So if that's you, I guess just put your hands out, and um, I'll just pray for you real quick. Jesus, you're amazing. You're here. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're moving. God, I thank you for this community of people. I hardly know anyone in here, but I can tell that they are, are awesome, um, and I, I, I can feel your presence in this room. So, God, I just pray if, if anyone in this room has any blood disease, I just command that to go in Jesus' name because you're powerful and you're good. So just come and do it. Any blood disease, go in Jesus' name. And not only that, but God, I pray that you would just build 
faith in us. God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Yes. Build faith in us yes. that you are a God that heals. God, I confess my faith wavers so much. But God, I want to be a person of confidence and radical faith that you can heal people's bodies. You can move. You can deliver people. So I just pray that that would just be, that, that just a gift of faith would be deposited into the lives of the people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on. Cool. This is my wife, Ashley. She's amazing, and she has uh, another testimony she wants to share with you guys. Hi, guys. Um, hi. Good morning. Um, oh, can you hear me on this? I'm a soft talker. Okay. <laughs> um, so my testimony is completely different than what John shared. But um, so we got married over a year ago, and probably a year prior to that, um, I was just talking to the Lord. We had just gotten engaged, and I had all these fears and insecurities in my life. And I was just asking the Lord, like, why are these still here? Um, I'm born again. Like, what's going on? And at the time, um, there were just certain things in my life that felt really um, entangled in me still. And so I was like, Lord, before getting married, I want you to deal with these things, <laughs> um, which is great. He did. And something he showed me was a vision of me meeting this man. And I was walking down the aisle which was so weird because in the vision, I literally had my wedding dress on that I hadn't picked out yet. Super weird. Um, and so the Lord was just like affirming me, like, this is my will for you. I'm betrothing you to this man. And um, the reason I'm sharing this is because the Lord showed me my fears and insecurities came from my unforgiveness and bitterness I had towards my absent father growing up. So, um, yeah, I grew up just with my mom, and my dad was absent my whole life. He left after, uh, before I was even one years old, so it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, um, from that point on, I just started praying for my dad. And after becoming a believer, going on five years now, um, I could say I forgave my father, but I truthfully didn't at the moment. There's just so many things hidden in my heart that I still needed mm. to surrender to the Lord. And um, so from that point on, my perspective of my dad started changing and just started praying for his salvation and everything. Um, and then it was probably like six months before our wedding day, um, I hadn't told anyone I got this vision or anything. I just thought, oh, I should pray for my dad's salvation. That's a good idea, <laughs> even yeah. though I don't know what he looks like or anything. And um, my older brother calls me on, like, New Year's Eve, and he's like, hey, Ash, I'm at our dad's house right now. I'm about to go knock on the door. And I was like, what? Like, how do you know where he lives? And um, anyways, he met my dad, and they, like, reconciled, and then my father was like, I want to meet Ashley, mm. um, and so, like, two weeks after that, we meet him, <laughs> and it was so cool. The moment I saw him when he opened his car door, like, 
every unforgiveness, bitterness, insecurity, fear just like dropped off of me. Come on. And I had so much compassion for his life. And um, he actually couldn't walk me down the aisle because he has a couple different disabilities. Um, he has a couple different sicknesses. And um, it was just so cool that the Lord like healed me out of this un- place of unforgiveness that I had. And I share all that because uh, truthfully, I think um, whether you have like trust issues and relationships you have or insecurities or fears or whatever, a lot of the time I feel like healing, the door to healing is at the door of unforgiveness or like bitterness. So I just wanted, um, if anyone is feels entangled in like some aspect of bitterness or unforgiveness in a relationship you may have or maybe you don't um I'm just gonna pray over you guys and so you can also hold out your hands and yeah and also just if you are like in a relational breakage with someone and you want restoration relation maybe you don't even have unforgiveness but you just want restoration relationship I think God really has them for you yeah amen uh Jesus you're so beautiful And we love you so much. Thank you that you're here, Lord. Your presence is beautiful and so sweet. And um, Father, we just repent of holding on to anything that's not of you. We want to be love. We want to be your love, God, manifested on the earth in every relationship, every thought, feeling, and emotion. So just consume us, God. Fill us with your fullness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Come on. Does you guys want them just to stay up, share? All right, so you want to see my family one more time? Yeah, all right. So, Radical Daniel. Daniel, if anyone ever had an excuse to suck... It is Daniel. Okay? Like, think about child soldiers and, like, people that are kidnapped and indoctrinated and then they're used to go, like, they're put in slavery and they're used to go kill people or um, people who are kidnapped into any form of slavery. Like, we think of those people as, like, we just have hope that they're going to make it, basically, right? We have hope they're going to be rescued. But you know what Daniel shows us? Those people can actually thrive. That there's nothing the devil can throw at you to keep you back from your purposes and your destiny. As like a 12-year-old, Daniel is kidnapped, taken as a slave. Him and 10,000 people are taken as slaves from Jerusalem all the way over to Babylon. You know, probably a year's journey to get to Babylon. And then he goes through all this indoctrination of Babylonian culture. They change his name. He has to learn their language. He has to learn their poets, read their stuff. And he goes through years and years and years and years of this. And he remains this pure, powerful um, lover of Yahweh, lover of God. So Daniel's taken into captivity at an age of like, let's say somewhere between 8 and 13. Okay, it just says he was a young man, young boy. Um, In Daniel 6, where we pick up, he's about 80 years old. 
So a really great joke I've heard is the reason that Daniel didn't get eaten in the lion's den is because the Daniels weren't feeling, or the, the lions didn't want beef jerky that day. <laughs> but Daniel is taken into captivity. He's one of the first exiles. Um, and after about 68 years in Babylon, he rises to this place of prom, like over and over this keeps happening with every different king, every different empire that comes in to Mesopotamia and takes it over, Daniel somehow rises to the top and, be, and becomes like one of the favored people in the kingdom. So there's a new king named Darius, super evil man, super messed up. I mean, like he is taking people and putting them on stakes. Like he, he would impale people, you know, through their butt, through their mouth. Boom. They're just there in front of the town. That This is the, he would take he t- it says that he took the king's whole family of Israel and killed them all in front of. Th- this is the type of tactics that Darius is employing. And he, uh, he, t- he takes over the kingdom from the, from the Babylonians. And there's a hundred and tw- he, he kind of brings his kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, in with the Babylonian kingdom. And there's 120 like states or provinces that is within his kingdom. So he sets 120 satraps, basically like governors, over e- like a different governor over every single state. And then he selects three officials to oversee those 120 satraps. And Daniel is chosen to be one of those guys. Just blows my mind. The favor on Daniel's life to rise to that place. And then... Um, Daniel is actually selected to be over all of them. He's selected to be over all three of those. He, he, he rises above, and now he's second in command to the king. So Daniel 6.3 says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This, like just really provokes me and I'm going to tell you why but the thing I want to pull out from this part of the passage is that Daniel became became distinguished because an excellent spirit was in him he became distinguished there was favor on his life why because of the excellence on his life I just want to ask you the question is there an area of your life where there's so much excellence that God might just be waiting to pour out his favor on it and I, I, would, I would propose to you that all of us have, a, have one, two, three areas of our life that we're really called to raise excellence so that God can pour out favor for his purpose. So Daniel rises to this place, and then these, um, all the high officials of the kingdom, they come to, to Darius and say, hey, we have a new law that we want to put in place. And this new law says that you can only pray to you. So they're playing to Darius's ego. And Darius says yes. Um, and these high officials actually lied because all the officials, all the high officials of the kingdom didn't agree. Because Daniel was the highest official in the kingdom. And we know, of course, he wouldn't agree to make a law that you can only pray to a man. You can only pray to Darius, right? So they lie. They totally um, um, just kind of go behind Daniel's back. But then Darius even, he disregards his highest official's advice and he signs this law and, and and makes this edict that you can only pray to me you can only pray to Darius 
again, this shows us kind of like the evil that this guy, the ego this guy had. You know, some people think Donald Trump has an ego. Darius is like the ego, <laughs> you know, pray to me only. So what is Daniel's response? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So there's two things I want to pull out of um, this chunk of scripture. When Daniel knew. When Daniel knew. Can I cuss? Is that okay? If I just... Just to tell you that, like, there's only one word to describe Daniel's attitude here. Badass. All right? He says, the king says only pray to the king. Well, guess what? I'm going to do as I have done previously. I'm going to do as I have done previously. And what I love is it says he goes into his um, upper chamber and opens the windows as he had always done. See, Daniel had a couple choices here. He could have closed his windows, you know, and he could have prayed in secret. Or he could have been like, you know, I'm going to make this bold statement. I'm going to go right up to Darius's face. and I'm going to say, I'm still praying. Guess what? I'm still praying. But he didn't do that. You know why? Because he had a real relationship with God. And what his life revolved around was not man. His life revolved around his relationship with God. That's what his whole life revolved around, as he had done previously. I think it's so significant because this reveals that, and, and it shows us, as if we didn't already know from Daniel 1 through 5, that Daniel had a real, intimate, daily relationship with God, as he had done previously. You see, this radical obedience for Daniel came out of a place of radical intimacy. If you want to have um, a powerful destiny, if you want to live and you want to do powerful things for God, all of it starts with having radical intimacy with him. And Daniel understood this. He had a history with God. What I'd also like to propose to you is that he knew that his obedience mattered to God. He knew that his obedience actually was significant and God doing what he wanted to do on the earth. Um, if you have your Bible, this, I don't have a slide for this. Flip over to Daniel 9. So how the book of Daniel is organized, 1 through 6 is all like historical. It's all stories. And then 7 through 12, I had to check how many chapters were in Daniel real quick, um, is all revelation. It's all prophetic experiences, dreams, encounters, visions that Daniel had. So look at Daniel 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. First year. So Daniel 6 doesn't tell us when in Darius's reign Daniel was cast into the lion's den. So maybe it was after uh, chapter 9, or maybe it was before it. And since I have the mic and it works better with my message, I'm going to say that the lion's den happened after chapter 9, okay? But there's great reason to believe that because this is the first year of Darius's reign. The very first year, Daniel has this whole vision, this whole encounter. And the, but it starts because Daniel's in the Word. 
I, Daniel, perceived, this is Daniel 9.2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that Daniel, that according to, okay, sorry. I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So he's reading the scrolls, he's reading Jeremiah, and he sees, oh wow, I see when this captivity is going to end. I've been here for like 70 years now, and I just read in Jeremiah, this is supposed to end any day. So he's like, okay, what's my part in ending this captivity? I need to go into prayer. I need to go in and um, contend for God to fulfill his word. You know in Isaiah it says, I'm going to read it because I thought I had it memorized. Isaiah 61, yep, Isaiah 61, 6. Listen to this. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. You know what this verse is saying? It's saying, remind God. (laughs) We're supposed to remind God of his promises. And you know why? Because God, his exception, this is my opinion, is to do things Um. Like, let's just say like the general kind of word, sovereignly. What God actually wants is partnership. He wants us to do something, and then he responds. And do you know the crazy thing is? The partnership always starts with him. (laughs) He reminds you to put him in remembrance. He reminds you to remind him. And so Daniel is reminded to remind God of his promise to deliver um the Israelites out of captivity. And so he goes and he starts to pray. And then look at 9, 20 through 23. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy, for the holy hill of God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, so the angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, da, 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 da. what actually happens in the encounter isn't my point. The point is just the encounter. <laughs> An angel appears to Daniel because Daniel was studying the word, putting the Lord in remembrance, and going into prayer. So I just want to propose to you that when Darius says, you can only pray to me, Daniel said, look, this isn't just about like my devotional life and my freedom or blah, blah, blah. This is actually about my people. If I don't pray, I'm not going to have another Gabriel experience where Gabriel comes and starts to fulfill the word of the Lord. Daniel knew what was on the line with his prayers. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts to have faith for our prayers, God. Thank you. This is a house of prayer. This church is a place that has passion and anointing and commitment to prayer. But I just pray right now, God, upgrade us. Upgrade all of us in our insight and our focus on praying, Lord. Wake us up, Lord. We just, um, we ask for energy and joy in prayer. We ask, I just pray for um, insight into our prayer. And we pray, we just say, we want encounter, God. We see you just pouring out encounter in the Bible. And I say, I'm not seeing that in my life. So I remind you that same and greater works for me, Lord. I welcome encounter to fuel me for prayer. I call out, Lord, I say, encounter, Lord, encounter me. And I just pray for everyone in this room, encounter them, Lord, so that their hearts are lit up for prayer in Jesus' name.
So Daniel saw what was on the line, you guys. He knew I can engage <laughs> and this is what's going to happen. Angels are going to show up and fulfill God's word. <laughs> you know, it says, the angels say, um, in, verse, in chapter 10, I love this. Chapter 10, 12. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. When you acted in prayer, God heard it. The throne of God heard it. They saw your heart. And they sent it to be done. And then this angel talks about how he was withstood by a principality called the Prince of Persia. And he had to battle through and he had the Archangel Michael come and do some more. Can I cuss again? Is that okay? I didn't really love the reaction I got. So I'll just say that uh, Michael comes and opens up a can of whoop butt (laughs) on the principality over Persia. And the word of the Lord is fulfilled and, and makes it to Daniel. So guys, our prayers matter. I have these neighbors who are crazy, okay, like just crazy. I love them, and I hope they listen to this and hear me talk about them right now, okay? But they are just like the ultimate wild child family. The police are in and out of there a lot. SWAT teams are like bursting through our bushes to get to their front door sometimes. And uh, my wife's like, get home, what's going on? (laughs) And um, there was like kind of the ringleader of the whole thing. The guy that lived there, his name was Richard and I would hear all kinds of crazy stories about him, like sexually abusing people in the family, hitting people, I mean, physically abusing people in the family. He'd be up at the church peeling out, looking for, because we would bring the two teenage daughters, the, the granddaughters to church. And he'd be up at the church looking for them and like peeling out in the church parking lot on a Sunday morning during church. So they're just, they're crazy. And I just sit in my heart like, man, I got to start actually praying for them. <laughs> I do plenty of cursing of them in my heart like you know that's what I'm usually doing in my heart towards them like anger and what's their problem like why is he doing that to them and all this stuff why don't I actually like redirect that to prayer towards towards Richard so I start praying for him a lot and by a lot you know that's like not Josh Jones a lot that's Wilson a lot which is like once a week five minutes or something and I start to see stuff shift in the family like I'm uh, in my backyard thinking about them, and I, then I say, yeah, I'm just start praying. So I just start praying in the spirit over their house. The next day, this church van pulls up at their house and builds them a whole new deck in their backyard. I'm just like, you know what? I'll take credit for that. My <laughs> prayers made that happen, okay? So fast forward to last November, after, after um, we do, at our church, we do worship at the front end. And so after worship, I'm kind of walking around just saying hi to people. And who do I see sitting in the seat at church? Richard. The, the abusive, crazy drug guy, neighbor. He's in his 40s. And I'm like, what? Like, what's up, bro? Like, I'm just, luckily I've been praying for him. So my, my heart was in a good place. Like, I was actually excited to see him, you know. I didn't do one of these. I was like, what's up, man? He's like, hey, blah, blah. I was like, okay. And we just kind of chat a tiny bit, move on. And I walk out into the hallway, and guess, guess who and what I see? Two police officers. <laughs> and they're like, walking around, looking around, and I'm like, hey, excuse me, officer, I'm the executive pastor, I'm one of the executive pastors here, can I help you, like, what's going on, he's like, yeah, oh, we're looking for someone, we think, someone we were looking for, they dipped into here to evade us, we think, and I was like, Richard, is his name Richard, (laughs) and they're like, yeah, and I was like, he's my neighbor, let's go get him, (laughs) 
So I just walk in and I like kind of point. I was like, there he is over there. Like, don't tell him I pointed him out. You know, I'm not trying to get like my house broken into or anything. Um, and so two minutes later, we have a guest speaker there from Bethel this week. So it's a perfect time for someone to get arrested during church. And uh, two minutes later, you know, Richard's walking out in handcuffs. And look, they didn't cause a scene or anything. But the, the, the guest speaker literally walked by, like, walked by it as it was all happening. So it was pretty epic. And um, Richard gets arrested. Fast forward two weeks. And I start, and I um, just going about my day, working. And I get a phone call. And I look down and it's Richard's number. Because at this point we had met enough that I had his phone number on my phone. And I was like, I can't, I can't answer this right now. Like, I'm, I was too busy. So I just ignored it. And I didn't want to talk to him. Um, and then five, or like half hour later, he calls me again. I should ignore it again. I'm like, I just can't right now, you know? So then he texts me. So I want to um, kind of bring you guys into the loop on what happened here. So he says, hey, Will, this is Rich, your neighbor. When you get a chance, this, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon at this point. Hey, Will, this is Rich, your neighbor. When you get a chance, please call me back. I really need to talk to you. Thanks. So I call him back about a half hour later, and we talk, and literally, he just wants to apologize for getting arrested at church. He's just like, I'm really sorry. I just got out of jail, and um, I, you know, I'm clean now. He had detoxed from heroin while he's in jail, so that was a really good thing. And he's just like, yeah, I, I'm just really sorry for causing that scene at church. I was just wondering, am I, is it okay for me to come back? Like, I really want to come back. Is it okay? But I really want to apologize. I was like, Heck yes, of course, bro. Please come back. I start telling him about different functions of our church and get connected and stuff. And he's like, okay, thanks. And he's just like, man, yeah, crop attracts crap. I really need to get new friends. Like, I just have so much crap in my life. It's just blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm clean. I'm going to try and stay clean now. And da, da, da. I was like, dude, you can do it. Just encouraging him. And the conversation's starting to end. I'm like, can I pray for you really quick? He's like, yeah, sure. So I start to pray for him. And then the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he was just like, Share the gospel with him. So I'm like, okay. And so I start to, I'm just like, Richard, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Like, have you ever started a personal relationship with Jesus? And he's like, you know, blah, 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 kind of just nominal Christian backspeak he started to share with me. And I was like, okay, well, here's what I think God's asking of you. God wants you to, be, to tell him you're sorry for being the leader of your life. And I just felt so clear, like I was, not don't talk to him about his dysfunction or his brokenness or his sin or this laundry list of terrible things he's done but the thing i that he needs to repent for the thing that's keeping him from me you know that's all that god cares about is the things that are directly keeping you from him and when we go to evangelism that's what we're looking for is like hey what is it that's keeping this person from you and so i just say hey i feel like you're supposed to tell god you're sorry for being the leader of your life and not letting him be the leader of your life. And he's like, okay. So I lead him in this prayer where he does that and kind of surrenders his heart to Jesus. And it was honestly, guys, like I was tired. I had ignored his phone call like three times. <laughs> I didn't feel God's presence come down. My words were jumbled and like not linear or going anywhere clear. But I just kind of like squeaked all this out of me. Um, and so the conversation ends and I... I text him, I say, hey, good talking to you, Rich. Should I save this as your number? And here's his text back. Yes, and thank you. You have no idea what you have done for me. I feel like electricity is flowing through my whole body right now, 
and I've been shedding tears of joy. Thank you so much, and God bless you. I believe you might have just saved my life. <laughs> so Richard, who has, he's never been to a Randy Clark conference, okay? <laughs> he doesn't know who Bill Johnson is or John Richter. He's never done Sockham. You know, he doesn't know about electricity and God's presence. He is just using the words he can to describe his experience. I talked to his niece a couple of days later, and she's like, yeah, Richard's been totally different. What'd you do to him? He was just crying all day. He hasn't touched heroin since. And, um, he, and his words, I think you just saved my life. Well, Richard, I, I got the privilege of leading Richard to the Lord last November. I had another privilege in April, and that was doing Richard's funeral. Because Richard passed away. He, um, all kinds of stuff wrong with him. Lifetime drug addict, lifelong drug addict. And I got to do his funeral. And the reason I tell you this story is because our prayer, coupled with obedience, God will use that. Our, our obedience is necessary. Our obedience isn't just for us. You know, we can get in this mindset of like, I want to obey, I want to be an obedient person. When God's like, just don't even think about yourself. I want to accomplish something through your obedience. Daniel knew that. Daniel knew that his prayers really mattered. So, we got a couple minutes left. I'm just going to run through a couple more things. Um, so, Daniel is dearly loved by evil Darius. This should provoke and challenge us. He is, listen to what, what it says about Darius after um, they catch Daniel praying, breaking the law, and they have to throw Daniel in the lion's den. So that's, that was going to be the form of execution. Was he going to be thrown into a pit of hungry lions? Here's what it says. Darius was distressed, distressed and determined to deliver him. He fasted and couldn't sleep all night. He rose and ran to the lion's den at daybreak. I don't even run to the coffee at daybreak. You know, like. And then he cries out in a tone of anguish, Daniel, did your God save you? And you know what Daniel's first words are? O king, live forever. O king, live forever. You know what that's called? What Parker was talking about. Honor. How? How did Daniel have the heart posture that he could honor someone who just made a demonic law that threw him to be executed? What was it about Daniel that put that type of honor in his heart? I don't have a full picture of it, but I'm going to tell you what I see and just say this, Lord, do that to me. Whatever you have to burn out of me to produce that type of honor towards leaders, towards people I disagree with, towards people who are literally demon-possessed, God, whatever you need to do to create that kind of honor in my heart, I just say yes. I just encourage you, say yes to that type of honor. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something to have that type of honor, but it's worth it. So, Lord, Put, place that type of honor. We say to the body of Christ, we just speak honor over the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Raise us up, God, to be people who are leading the way with honor. So here's, I think, Daniel's secret to um, walking in that type of honor. Daniel had a revelation, he had an understanding of the difference between devotion and honor. He understood the difference between what you're devoted to and what you will honor. He knew, okay, we, we all know we're supposed to honor Jesus. We're supposed to honor God. 
Well, Daniel had it down to be devoted to God also, right? Like, pretty radical devotion. (laughs) When he found out that they had signed the document, he goes and prays. That is radical. That's radical devotion right there. But here's the thing that Daniel understood about man. He understood that we are actually supposed to honor man. We are supposed to honor sinful, depraved, corrupt man. We are to honor man. Listen to what Peter says. Peter didn't even know there was an election or corona or racism when he wrote this, okay? First Peter 2, 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay. Honor everyone. We hear that and we're like, great, I'm going to honor everyone that I like and I admire. <laughs> and then he's like, love the brotherhood. Okay, oh yeah, duh. I'm definitely going to um, honor and love believers. Oh, and God too. Yeah, fear God. Like, whatever you fear, your life revolves around. So that's what, that's like the heart of fearing God is make your life revolve around God. But then he tosses this in there. Honor the emperor. The person that you thought you had permission not to honor the evil emperor who is um, clothing Christians in the original mask. <laughs> you know what the original mask was? When they put wet, bloody animal skins on Christians and then threw them into a coliseum and had lions tear them up. And we're worried about masks. <laughs> Dude, like, honor the emperor. Okay, but this is a time where we need to question our allegiances. God is asking us to question our allegiances. Where do you have false allegiance? What are you fearing? What is your life revolving around that isn't explicitly kingdom? You guys, as things get crazier, we need to get simpler. It's the kingdom. That's our call. That's what we're supposed to bring. That's our call. Um, so I've talked about masks. I have cussed. I really hope that this is a memorable day for you guys. Daniel had the revelation that we are to honor men, but look, there's no arrow towards, towards men when it comes to devotion. We are not called to devote ourselves to men. We're not called to devote ourselves to governmental leaders, to religious leaders. That, that's not our call. Our call is to honor them, but not devote ourselves to them. This is how Daniel was able to say, O king, live forever. You just threw me in this pit, but O king, live forever. Because my devotion isn't towards you, but I'm going to keep my honor and love on towards you. So, and here's his response. He says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth." And they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So pray on this this week. What is he talking about? He says, because I was found blameless before him. You know, there's plenty of people in the Bible who were blameless before God, but died. Or were murdered or executed. But there's some secret. There's not, not a secret in a weird sense. 
but secret in a sense of like, there's revelation for us to get out of this verse that I didn't get this week. I just put the slide in there in case I got the revelation. But um, pray on this, okay? Pray on this with me. What does it mean that because I was found blameless before God, I was saved? This is what Daniel's saying. So pray on that. And if you think you have the answer, please come tell me. You're probably wrong, but. <laughs> then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that, da- you might be right, I really want to hear it. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God. I'm going to close here. I want to point two things out to you. If you are going to execute someone, you're not going to like get a ladder or a rope and lower them into this pit filled with lions right? What are you going to do? You're going to kick him in there. You're going to throw him in there. But this is, this is why I believe it says no kind of harm was found on Daniel. Because even the fall into the den didn't injure him. Even getting thrown in there. You know what this reminds me of? What it says in Daniel 3 about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're in the fiery furnace. You couldn't even smell smoke on them. Their, their garments weren't even singed. You guys, our radical obedience brings radical protection. But you know what um, Daniel, Shark, Meshach, and Abednego all said in their circumstances? They said, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down to you. That is faith. Faith isn't saying, our God will save us, and he's going to save us. No. <laughs> they acknowledge the reality that they might die. You know why? Because God doesn't really care about you dying. That's not as big of a deal to him as it is to us. 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred. Okay, like that is the goal. That is plan A, is that we would go down guns a-blazing for the kingdom of God. And, and um, it says, because he trusted in his God. Th- this, is what Daniel, this is what the narrative, well, Daniel says it, but he wrote it. Because he had trusted in his God. Here's where I want to end before we worship. Um, When did the trust happen? When do you think the trust happened? Was it in the lion's den? Or do you think it was in verse 10? When he went and prayed with his windows open and kept up with his normal routine with God. I just want to propose to you guys that trust looks a lot like obedience. Trust looks a lot like having a relationship with God and then subjecting yourself to it. Saying, you know what? I honor man, I honor people around me, but I'm devoted to one person. There's only one thing that has my devotion, and it's Jesus Christ. It's the lamb that was slain. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Father God. That's where my devotion is. So you guys stand up. I want to pray for you as we get ready to worship. You know, in the lion's den, he had no choice but to trust. There was no other option. But it was when there was an option that the trust came up as a sacrifice, as a pleasing aroma. It was when he could have closed his windows, but he chose to keep them open. So Father, just make us radical, God. Make us radical Daniels, Lord. We just say yes. I I just say personally again, Lord, burn everything out of me that you have to. Whatever old mindsets I carry, whatever stuff I um, still believe that I shouldn't or that... um, Anything that's holding me back from that, I thank you, Jesus, that you did such a powerful work on the cross 
that you came up out of the grave so successfully that I'm a hundred percent, I'm a brand new creation. And that new creation is devoted to God. That new person is willing to lay my life down at an instant for my friends and for my God. And so, Father, I just pray, I pray blessing over the people right now. In Jesus' name, stir our hearts to honor you.